Welcome in to the Two Boys One Pod podcast. Still believe taking not, applications. Yeah, believe it or not, that is still our. That's still the title for this podcast. And, and viewership is just going up. Yeah, yeah, we we got a, a, got a huge audience from last week. Fifteen. Close. Twelve. Between, yes. That's what the nice. So if you're one of those 12 listeners, we appreciate you. Not quite Congrats. sure why we're still doing this. There may be a raffle. Like, you never know. We might raffle off something to these 12 uh, people. One of those items might be a um, game-worn hockey jersey that I uh, wore when Penn State beat uh, Michigan in 2018. Yeah. Sounds like a great gift. You know, it is funny because, like, I get texts from, like, pretty much everyone who listens each week. So, I feel like I've gotten more than 12 texts, and I could probably figure out lying to me about if they listen, listened or not. You know, that checks out for me, too. I got a couple saying I, I know- listened the last two weeks. Can't Can't bear to listen this week after, like, Illinois – yeah. yeah, we won't we won't be vindictive. Let's talk about um, just stocks. Oh, stocks. Let's talk about stocks. Yeah, we've we've transitioned to a stock market podcast. Well, Martin got a new job. That he, is uh, true. He works, yeah, he works for uh, big big tech now, or is it finance? You tell me. Is uh, it fintech. Fin- fintech. Fins up, fintech. Yeah, congratulations to Martin um, starting his new job at Robin Hood. Um, taking from the rich, giving to the poor. Yes, sir. That's that's what Robin Hood's known for. Yep. And you know what, Max? That's a great transition. You're already towing, I thought Stop towing the could, company line, Martin. I thought we could transition. No, I thought we could take from the rich this weekend, and that is Ohio State. They injected me with hope, the Nittany Lions did this week. I wouldn't say they tore it all away. Um, it's just it's just a sad of what could have been this season. Yeah. You know, I think after our first podcast, after the Wisconsin game, we were like, I don't know, we could go maybe like 10-2 and two or 11-1, and one, and it's going to be awesome. And then it's the worst part of fandom is – the point where you have high expectations and then whatever team you're following falls short of those expectations. And that's what I had after the Wisconsin game in week one. I'm like, Oh, this team's pretty legit. And, and now we're ranked below Wisconsin and Auburn, both teams we, we, we beat. And I don't care about the rankings at this point. It's whatever. It's just very sad to me. And I'm upset and I want to wallow my misery for a little longer and I know yeah. I'm not making any of you guys listening feel better about this, but that's yeah, how but, I feel. But like, like you brought up a good point because you know what? The Eagles pleasantly surprised me this weekend because there was no expectations. Right. Yeah. When you, when you have no expectations and your team overachieves, that's the best, you know, that's the absolute best. The and best, <laughs> the best a man can get. That's right. And yeah. So the idea now, should we, 
how should we channel our misery and sadness and depression? Do we focus it into anger or that's what Holly does. Holly freaking hates Ohio state fans. It is hilarious. She's like Jay seeing them and F bombing them on our way out of the stadium. It is, it is something. Um, yeah. How was, how was the atmosphere there, Max? You seemed like you were enjoying yourself most of the day Saturday. Yeah, I was having a good time. I, I would say that I'm I'm really not that impressed with just the general game day atmosphere in Columbus. Now, this is my second time here, so speaking have, speaking from experience. Yes, there there is data. This is a a whole data set here, um, multiple data points. No they just seem like yeah, they just seem like disinterested like the Ohio State fans like more excited about the stupid band and the halftime show and like like freaking them doing like the Sesame Street putting Michigan the Michigan flag in the trash can like they had more fun with that than the actual game and I'm not a big like band person or like a blue band guy I know they have a good band I'm kind Max, of ranting you were in here. jazz band all four years. I was, I was a, a trumpet one and two in jazz band. Um, they're they're not overtly mean, um, but they're they're certainly not like a welcoming fan base. They don't make you feel like you're like, I, I like comfortable while you're there. Um, they don't smile at you or say, "Hey, nice play" or whatever. That's more of like the type of fan base that if things I think started going poorly for them. I could totally see them just like checking it in, checking it out. And I think that's what happened early in the season when they lost to Oregon that first game. Like the stadium was empty the next week. Um, the full stadium atmosphere kind of sucks. The the dude I'm seeing was like a ripoff seventh grade bot mitzvah DJ. It was pretty embarrassing. You know how we get like the uh, the the cheerleader that sometimes like screams before the whiteout. Like, are you ready for Penn State football? Yeah, yeah. They had a guy doing that the whole game, but he was like probably fifty-five years old and like larger and bald. And I'm like, this this is like a like a middle school DJ, like what you would get for your middle school dance. Um, the scoreboard didn't update. I swear, like the whole game, it was like second and fifteen on the scoreboard. So Holly and I had like no idea what was going on, like what down it was. I, I was like trying to t- t- like keep mental notes the whole game. So um, the the stadium was full. I'll give them that. Um, it was a full stadium. The fireworks were cool, the scarlet fireworks. Uh, but the fans so, so were quiet. So what you're getting at and, this, this is a bottom 10 venue to watch a, a college football yeah, game. The, it, it, started, it, yeah, yeah. The, you know how, like, we, we'll if, if it's kind of quiet, we'll pump in artificial sound to make it sound better? Like Mo Bamba and Living on a Prayer. They don't even do that. It's just quiet. It sucks. Um, so, yeah, uh, not impressed with the – the Ohio stadium atmosphere. And I know I was ranting there, but there it is. Okay. Well, let's get into the game. Uh, that's what everybody came for. Maybe no, they, I... did. they did not come for that. I don't even know who's coming here. Thank you, Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> uh, Ross, Ross. So I was, with, I was in Columbus with uh, Ross and Kim college friends and they both listen and I appreciate them and I appreciate their dog Zeke. All right, Max, what do you got? Uh, what do you got for the game to start off? I mean, that first drive, talk about inspiring hope. Our first touchdown drive? Yeah. I guess, yeah, the, the whole beginning of the game was very interesting. Um, 
kind of like very confusing turnovers. I kind of like missed the turnovers a little bit. Was like I didn't even see the ball like pop out and realize we have it. But then we turn it right back over. Their defense holds out as it always has all year, all freaking year. Our defense has held out and played super well. And then we kind of just all game we marched down the field offensively for the most part. Besides turnovers and like and whatnot, it, it really looked like we were playing better football than them in terms of just like good drives. They got better big plays. They made big plays. They outmatched us in speed. But like when it comes to putting together a drive together, I think we, we kind of they did better than them most of the game. And it was kind of, it was kind of sad to see not to be get a, get a sad again, but I was like wondering if Sean Clifford wasn't even hurt at all, if he was a little more mobile, can, can we pull off that, that victory there? And, are we sitting at an undefeated season? But that's besides the point. Um, yeah, but like all yeah. around great play calling. Yeah, um, I thought Mike Yersich called a great game. Um, staying mostly a- away from the run game, I'm thinking they there were still t- 29 carries. A lot of those were Cliff sacks. I'm looking through the box score. Um, I think four of those were Cliff sacks. But setting using that run, it was not effective um, as it, it hasn't been all season. But using that to set up the pass a little bit, and we and we certainly used the short passing game once again. Um, getting our tight ends back involved, um, four catches for both Theo Johnson and Brian Strange, and um, targeting the middle of the field this week, which is which is risky. Um, you don't. Um, I know a lot of co- college coaches don't like their college quarterbacks throwing through the middle of the field but cliff for the most part was pretty accurate and i was able to get the ball in jahan dotson hands 11 times and parker washington uh parking parker washington's hands nine times and i know they made some spectacular spectacular catches um but i think we did a great job um involving them in the game plan and i think you hit it on the head martin um the difference in this, this game especially offensively was explosive plays our longest play was a 32-yard catch to Parker Washington, and I believe that was some of that was some yards after the catch. They had um, Travion Henderson had multiple long runs, um, 68. He had a 68 long, a 68-yard run. Um, Jackson Smith uh, Jigba, I can't, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. It was 58 yards. Alave had that 38-yard touchdown. So they had the big chunk plays, and they were able to get through and behind our defense at times. And I think just looking into the future, one of the next steps we can take as a team is developing or recruiting that big play threat. And hopefully we, we might have some some guys coming in next year, um, but take off the top of the defense type of speed, I think, is one of the things we're missing. I mean, Dotson, Dotson's pretty fast, but um, not KJ Hamler speed. Yeah, he's not Hamler. He's not. I'm trying to just think of Penn State players from the past. I don't know, Derek Williams, <laughs> um, uh, Saquon. Sa- Sa- Saquon yeah. could outrun a team. Yeah, so that's that's something that we were missing on the offensive side of you, the ball. But we, I, we were I good. even we think, were good though, you, you, said, you said we didn't establish a run game necessarily, but I think are we like we got like five, six yards to carry some, some plays, which really did help out like that passing game um, on those good drives we, we put together. Yeah, um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I, th- I recall us being like 12 for 18 or 11 for 18 from from third down. And you usually don't get those favorable numbers, this favorable third down conversion rate, unless you're working from like a, a third and short um, or a third, like, you know, less than third and five. 
and we were we were in that position at times during the game where Cliff didn't need to make a crazy 12, 15 yard throw down the field on third down. Um, so yeah, that was certainly uh, some encouraging signs for the offense. If you kind of translate what happened on Saturday to worse opponents, uh, you think we're going to pull out a win if, if everyone's motivated to play later this season, um, even against some good teams left on the, the schedule. Yeah. Um, difference. I'd... Another difference was those turnovers um, went three to one. The refs missed some of that uh, snap infraction. Um, kind of got screwed there, but you lose the turnover battle in in Columbus. It's going to be tough sledding. You're going to be running uphill. Yeah, um, let's just switch over to defense. I think we do have once again the amount of times we that red zone defense is. I think they brought up the graphic like maybe 15, 20 times throughout the, uh, the game of third best run, red zone defense, third best red zone offense, and uh, we totally outperformed them in the red zone, uh, keeping that game at the end from becoming maybe a three-score game to pretty much within reach just if we could put together a drive at the end of the game, which just yeah. was a little hard. Um, Needed one more drive. Yeah. <laughs> but um, some – uh, Arnold and Epiquette, uh, Laqueta. I mean, I think everybody played really well. It's hard to say who played badly on those uh, big runs because that's, once again, that, that's the only spot I feel like we there's just big plays made by their speed, uh, maybe a little poor arm tackling uh, at the line of scrim- scrimmage against Trevion Henderson. But um, I think Ellis Brooks, uh, like they all played really well. <laughs> For the most part, we could have gotten to the quarterback a little bit more, maybe uh, a little more sacks would have been helpful uh, as they definitely won that battle of sacking Clifford probably like 10 times. But uh, yeah, so Ohio be- State had four sacks on Clifford. We had no no sacks, but um, and it's just one quarterback hurry from Ebikede. We did have seven tackles for loss. So they were getting in the backfield, especially in that that running game. Um, which we, you know, um, kind of stuffed for most of the game. It, it's really weird juxtaposed against last week where um, the, the running back from Illinois, well, I can't remember his name right now, um, but he, he was getting like those frequent five to like 15-yard chunk runs, whereas uh, Travion Henderson, arguably the best running back in the nation, was held, you know, be, you know, to five or less yards or even, you know, negative yards on many runs yesterday. And his, his running, you know, rushing yard total is, is highly skewed to those couple long runs he had later in the game. Um, so just a weird contrast from what we saw last week, this, this defensive front really came to play and the, the linebacker play was much better this week. Um, Brandon Smith, Ellis Brooks, and one guy I think we need to highlight because he's only a sophomore and well, freshman um, eligibility, but um, he's only going to get better, and that's uh, Curtis Jacobs, five-star. Yes. Yeah, he he's really starting to flash, and that's very encouraging as someone that can kind of take the, the head of the, the linebacker position and take it into future years. He is a linebacker. I think his number throws me off with uh, the 23. 23. Yeah, I just think he's coming down at, like, safety playing linebacker, but that is that always throws me off. We have yeah, tw- he's, I think it's 12, 13, and 23. What happened to, like, the good old, like, 43, 40, like, Sean Lee, Dan Connor? Um, Puzlesny was a 30 number, right? He was 34. Something. 30, 33. 31? Oh, 31. No. Let's see. 
anyway, um, yeah, weird. We have weird linebacker numbers on our team. Um, just give them the eleven, you know. <laughs> Stick City, uh, Stick City, baby. Um, Micah Parsons having just an incredible right, start to his wrong. NFL career. Thirty-one. Thirty-one. Okay. Good for you. Thanks. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just that fumble six um, was kind of just just unfortunate to happen because once again, that, I think that's at least a ten point swing, right? I think we were pressing pretty like doing pretty yeah. well moving that ball that drive. Yep. That, that was a freaking long re- return. <laughs> Yeah, it, there's something a little wrong about that big man bringing it back. My my roommate, not the biggest football like fan, he's not from from the U.S. was uh, saying, uh, oh, "Who's that big man carrying the football?" was his quote. Well, why is that fat guy carrying the ball? Uh, oh my but God. man, he brought it to the house. Uh, it was kind of a, it was a nice visual to see as a as a pass lineman seeing everybody fan him and stuff. You can't really you can't even be too upset um, by that. <laughs> Just a, just a bad. It, it was a slower, it was a slower burn than the, the nine overtimes last week. Watching that dude come come down the field, <laughs> I, I still don't know about that. I was I was pretty happy most of the game basically because we had a decent like grasp on the game most of the game. We like like I said, we looked like we kind of were pl- putting together better drives than Ohio State most of the game. Yeah, it reminded me of being in the stadium. The dude in front of us was wearing a full send, you know, backwards cap. Like it full said, full send. send. Full send. Oh, wow. Sick. <laughs> yeah, cool, dude. <laughs> he, was sitting, uh, he was sitting with his mom. He looked like a like 25-year-old guy. Do you have anything for the sock drawer? Yeah, I got a question from Jeff. Um, let me pull it up. Jeff Schmidt, um, pride of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, stationed in Raleigh. Let's see. Sock drawer question. If Franklin leaves, who becomes the head coach? Why is this? I don't, I don't think Franklin's leaving. I'm going to leave it there. I really don't think he's leaving. And I think he's lost um, some leverage over the past few weeks with the performance of the team. But um, in the situation he does leave, I think it would be outside of the current program. So somebody, somebody like a, texted me some some old coworker of mine from a you know, big Ohio State guy. It's like Bill Bryan might take it back, and man, I would hate that. Oh yeah, I I like Bill O'Brien a lot, and then I saw him on Hard Knocks, and I'm like, this guy's kind of a jerk off, like a hard ass that just says the f word at every chance he gets. Yeah, I would I would like I don't know about recruiting. Um, and how that would go, but I I really like Mike Yurich, and I am very excited for what he does with Drew Aller. That is going to be really fun next year. Um, once again, plug in his huddle. Go watch Drew Aller's huddle. It is uh, something to get excited about if you're not excited about any games left of the season. But that kind of brings me uh, to the next point, Max, is uh, I would love to go give Michigan the second loss. I, and, I mean, I highly doubt it. Um, that Michigan State will be undefeated by the time we play them. But, like, I think there's some stuff to play for, especially, like, we got the the helmet bowl. What, what are they what, – what did you see um, the – The, the, the helmet strike? Oh, my gosh. The, the concern with that is it's a mid-November game and not everyone has, like, white 
warm clothing, like white jackets, you know? No, that's, I don't think there's anything to worry about with that. I think people have, there's been November whiteouts before. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Remember the last November whiteout? Yeah. No, you don't. You're in your dorm room. Yeah, but, but that was a whiteout in November, and was the stadium whited out? Yeah, it was a nice, it was a, I don't remember if it was, I think it was a decent day. Low to mid 40s would be my guess. Yeah, it was cold. Anyway, I don't know how I feel about that. I thought I thought they could have just done a student whiteout, and that would have been cool. But anyway, not going to get too involved with that. I I think there's a lot to play for. I agree with you. Um, going going nine and three would be uh, quite a feat at this point, I think. But I and think the t- this team's good enough. Um, does enough nine and three give us nine? And, well, we'll be in the Outback Bowl this year. Yeah, you go nine and three, beating Michigan and Michigan State. It would be interesting positioning um, in terms of getting into uh, near six or the the next best thing. It would be close. Um, I have to run the numbers. <laughs> yeah. It would be close. Uh, yeah, and it's there's a lot of interest that I was actually like, um, regardless of us being ranked, I was pretty shocked of what the committee put in yesterday. Not necessarily shocked, but it it they did some things they usually do. And then they just said, Oklahoma sucks. Um, and kind of like, not getting in since, yeah, it was, it was, it's, it was, it's interesting. Um, it, it makes like, you we see the where SEC. they're coming from. You see where they're coming from and that all makes sense. But like Michigan state doesn't have a reputable win besides this last weekend. Yeah. And they looked pretty bad in some, like, against Indiana. They looked really bad. They, they looked bad in some games. I know Kenneth Walker is a monster. Um, but Yeah, I think – yeah, I don't know. They're, they're ranking, I guess, Michigan State's win over Michigan higher than Cincinnati's win, you know, their reputation, blowing teams out this year, and their win against Notre Dame. Um, yeah, I don't know. I really actually – I actually haven't, like, brought up the rankings and looked at them. All I've seen is, like, the top four on Twitter. So I, I really don't know the rankings beyond the top four. I'm trying to block it all out of my mind. Um, yeah, because what could have been? Right, that's right. It, it would be interesting, and I don't know if anyone's looked into this. One of our uh, listeners can, can give us a heads up. If we ended up matched up with, like, Pitt, like an ACC Big Ten matchup for a bowl game, and we got Pitt, that could be what, Are we assuming we're winning out? Are we making this assumption? Yeah, eight or, and four, nine and three. Okay, that pretty much lands us in out. I, I th- we're going to be in the Outback Bowl. Outback, because they're not going to put us in Citrus again, because we were there three years ago. Yeah, they love we. Penn State plays in the Outback Bowl any chance they get, and that's what is that an SEC game usually? Um, yeah, SEC. Like the fourth, I'm, I'm, SEC, I, fourth it's, big I legit. I think we like. It depends if they want to do that or not. But I think we play like Auburn probably. In the in a in an outback, if we just went out or go eight and four, we wouldn't play Auburn, dude. We play them during the season. I know, but like that's the equivalent SEC team we'd play. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, sorry, uh, I, I said I don't know if they would play us, but that's about who we'd play. Also, the Outback Bloomin' Onion is not good; very overrated. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you I really think like Dad just, just had a heart attack on his way into work. What? Dad just had a heart attack on the way into work. Oh, listening to you say that, throwing shade at the blooming onion, it, would, it really isn't good. 
<laughs> man. Um, anything else, Max? Offensive player of the week? Yeah, offensive actually I'm struggling to struggling to um choose this week. I, I was thinking Clifford, but I thought those turnovers, even though not necessarily his fault on the sack, and then he was trying to make something happen on the the long throw to Dotson on the sideline. They were too costly, and I can't give them in, unfortunately. Again, we love you, Cliff. We're sorry. So I went with – I'm going to go with Parker Washington. Nine receptions, 108 yards, uh, the longest reception of the day. Um, he was a safety valve all night, and then he made some incredible catches. I actually haven't seen the replays, but I remember being like, oh, my God, that was an awesome catch in the stadium. Um, I'm going to go with him because I don't know if we've even chosen him this year, maybe once. Yeah, um, I'm not going with one. I'm going to go with our tight end room. You, you mentioned earlier, uh, Johnson and uh, Strange kind of both put up some big games and big plays uh, when we needed them. Didn't drop balls this week. Um, not that I remember. They may have dropped one. But, um, they, yeah, I think they got some good plays when we needed them. Just like you said, we did really well on third down, and that was uh, quarterback relying on his tight end. Tight mm-hmm. ends. So um, those are my two offensive players of the game. And then for the defensive side of the ball, I'll let you go first. You know, I, I my first person I brought up, like when once you say Curtis Jacobs, I did remember he was like in on almost every like tackle. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Curtis Jacobs. Uh, seven tackles, five solo, two tackles for loss for Curtis Jacobs. Coming into his own as a big-time Big Ten football player. And I'm struggling with this one. I think I'm going to go with Jesse Loquetta. He was – I think the other answer was Ellis Brooks this week. But Jesse Loquetta was all over the field. Just his progress from – well, I don't even want to say his progress because he started off the season pretty pretty hot in Wisconsin. But just the fact that he was able to transition into like a stand-up defensive end so easily, it, it's going to make him a lot of money if it's not next year, the year after, it'd, it'd be great to have him back for a fifth year. Um, that COVID year would be great to take advantage of. So Jesse Loquetta and Curtis Jacobs. Awesome. Anything else, Max? Any, anything, uh, anything to inspire hope for the rest of the season, maybe next year? Um, we can or- ruin Michigan and Michigan State season. And that should yeah. be enough motivation to take these next weeks. Yeah. Like I was huge Michigan state fan this weekend, but now part of me would have loved if they won simply for a Penn state to ruin that. But um, who cares? Screw Michigan. They don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. They've been bad the last three years. They don't need like a 10 and one or 11 and one year. That's what we deserved. But yeah. um, Watching this game three thirty on Saturday against Maryland. I'm looking forward to it. Not sure what my spread's going to be. I'm thinking notches because notches are the shit. I got nothing for a spread this weekend. Finally a little cool here in Indiana. Nice little fall chill. Gets me excited for some turkey bowl football in a couple weeks. Ooh, yeah. Um, We'll be home. I'll be home for that whole week. That's the plan. All I, need, right. I need to talk to my employer. I'm not in fintech. I can't work from home all the time. Boomers, am I right? That's damn straight. 
All right, Max. I love you. Love, bro.